What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy 360 Network. I'm excited to be bringing you this exclusive interview with Aurora Energy Services. Guys, this is the prime example of a company who saw a need both to change the way that, that the air quality was in the city and also address some longstanding ESG users, and they did it in a way that was market efficient. Guys, we sit down with Chad Schumacher, who's the general manager of Aurora Energy Services, and Rob Bound, who's the president of Usabelli Investments, who's kind of the overall thing. And, and we really talk about what they did with, with this pellet fire smoker. It, it's so awesome. Because if you're interested in ESG and how private companies are really actually taking the step themselves, you know, addressing regulations themselves versus, you know, having to, you know, wait it out, I'd highly recommend watching this interview, guys. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Stu and kick this one off. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. We are here uh, visiting with Rob Brown. He's the president of Aurora Energy Solutions and Chad uh, Schumacher. He is the general manager. And we also have our host of Oil and Gas 360, Michael Tanner. How are you guys today? We're doing really well. Thank you very, very much for asking. And so you guys are up in uh, Alaska, Fairbanks, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, the operations in Fairbanks. We're actually, uh, our, our locations, our offices are spread out a little bit, but yeah, we're, our locations in Fairbanks. You know, um, Michael and I were uh, looking at the news desk on this item, and we don't see coal companies very often getting into the green energy. And that's what made this story so uh, very interesting to our uh, reader base, and that's why we want to visit with you a little bit. So we're gonna try to find out how uh, the uh, Usabelli uh, Coal Company heats uh, Fairbanks and how it works and then how it got processed into the biomass uh, industry. So uh, Rob, you wanna kick us off on that one a little bit? Sure, yeah, absolutely love to. Um, there's a lot here to chew on, so I'll give us a really high level view to start off with and feel free to ask follow-up questions. So. Um, the Usabelli coal mine um, has been in existence since uh, 1943. Um, so we're uh, 77 years old right now. And um, we're still a family owned and operated uh, corporation. Um, we have uh, numerous uh, uh, shareholders uh, of the corporation who are all family members. And so the family is involved in uh, uh, many different businesses, the coal mine, um, is the, the large one, but um, we also have uh, many other uh, businesses that, uh, that the family's uh, got ownership of. And so we, um, the, the, the family and the corporation, we uh, also have another business called Aurora Energy, which is a, a co-generation fired uh, a power plant in downtown Fairbanks. And I'm also the president of that. And so a couple of years ago, as we were dealing with uh, air quality uh, emission um, issues uh, within the city um, due to uh, what's called PM 2.5. Um, we, uh, we got to talking and thinking about different ways that we can um, help bring the area into attainment. Um, currently the city of Fairbanks and the North Pole area just outside of Fairbanks is in what's called a serious non-attainment situation. And it's all due to the fact but primarily due to the fact of uh, home heating um, and the fact that uh, people are um, burning too much firewood, the, the firewood is too wet, and um, 
and it's causing the area to be in what's called a non-attainment. And what that means though, is that anybody such as the power plant, which is in a, uh, um, which has a, a point source, it's a permitted point source. Now all of a sudden we are facing regulations because of you know, the way the community um, is choosing to heat their homes. And so we're like, well, how do we help solve this situation? And we started thinking about the firewood kiln, started thinking about the biomass industry and you know, the rest is history. So um, uh, just a little bit more about Usabelli coal mine. Uh, we are the state's only uh, operating coal mine. Uh, we sell 100% you know, of the state's uh, demand for coal. Uh, we have uh, customers uh, such as the military. We have a customer at the University of Fairbanks. And then we also have our, the, our sister company, Aurora Energy in downtown Fairbanks that we sell to. So, and then we also, there's another power plant that the local utility has, which is a coal-fired uh, uh, power plant. So. Um, anyways, a really good long history, um, solid company, um, lots of different irons in the fire. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'd be happy to talk more about the decision process and getting into biomass as you want. Yeah, I, I think I'd love to dive into the decision process at some point. But I, first off, you know, I, you know, considering this is oil and gas 360com and we deal mostly with, you know, we, we, we try to branch out and do all energy, but the majority of what we do stays um, in the EMP space. I'd love to kind of and bring Chad in here and talk about, you know, what is biomass and maybe why it was really attractive to solve this need. Because obviously, you know, what you guys did is there was a problem. You guys identified biomass as a solution to get around it. I wonder if you could talk maybe a little about what it is and, and kind of, you know, why it was the perfect solution for what you guys are doing. Absolutely. The, the biomass component of the operation is uh, for what was existing was a wood pellet manufacturing process and a compressed log manufacturing process. What Rob had mentioned about the opportunity to uh, add a firewood processing and firewood drying kiln is a huge step in the right direction for our, for our community because the biggest issue we were running into from a home heating uh, emissions perspective was the lack of quality control regarding the quality of the wood fuel being used in those wood stoves. So where a kiln comes into place, we really have the opportunity to uh, guarantee a low moisture content product available to be consumed by those uh, residential wood stove uh, customers and gives them the opportunity to actually operate those stoves at a low emissions uh, standard that uh, the stoves are truly designed to operate with. Yeah, and that's, I think, the, the, the interesting part is there was no new infrastructure that had to necessarily put in. You just kind of switched to the material that was burning, which I, which, which I thought was, was, was really cool. Yeah, what, what we ended up doing, our raw materials supply. Oh, sorry, Stu. Go oh, ahead, I'm Stu. Oh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, one of the things on your question and answers uh, was very interesting on your, uh, you know, the Fairbanks uh, company, you, you heat the, the entire town, but uh, somebody was saying, Wait, hey, we see uh, Aurora Energy Solutions biomass burners in restaurants and everywhere else, so kind of tell us a little bit about that, because it's uh, standardizing the uh, output, uh, and it's also being used by businesses. 
you know, up, up here in Alaska, we have all different sources of uh, heat being utilized for uh, restaurants, businesses, all the way across the board. We've got a number of businesses that depend on the wood pellets as uh, the primary heat source for those businesses. We have uh, people with um, boiler systems and forced air furnaces that have a wood pellet silo automatically feeding that fuel into that device. Uh, and then in addition to that, there are a number of businesses, restaurants that will have small pellet stoves or uh, wood stoves that they use um, at some level for ambiance, but another level for just a, a secondary heat source in that, in that restaurant. And it really works out well to have that, uh, that extra supply of heat and, uh, and showcasing a locally made product. You know, speaking of uh, ambiance, as we say in Dallas down here, um, you know, the uh, your website says that it's okay to burn wood and the pellets at the same time to try to help out get that uh, little extra feeling of a good fire there, doesn't it? So there are a, a couple devices. A masonry heater can operate with, with a wood pellet and a traditional firewood at the same time. Uh, the higher energy density of the wood pellets really do help with that process. You know, the, the other product that we also manufacture is a compressed log product that is uh, basically a 13 inch, three inch diameter um, big wood pellet. And that, that product is made primarily to supplement with traditional firewood. So blending those products really provides a lot more uh, energy for uh, that wood stove at a single period. It really allows you to get more bang for your buck out of the traditional firewood. Uh, it, it's, it's really a product that has just taken off in the last couple years and uh, the implementation of that into the wood stove side is, has made a huge difference not only on the, the cost of heating um, from a solid fuel perspective but also uh, it, it's a huge step in the right direction for emissions reductions uh, for that home heating purpose. And we're excited about how well those products work together. And now we're excited to be able to provide both the compressed logs and the traditional firewood in this method. Boy, that is, uh, Chad, that's really cool. Uh, hey, Rob, um, social ESG and social uh, corporate responsibility is huge in the oil and gas and energy space. And what we've just talked about is something that is truly uh, a social responsibility, uh, corporate responsibility that has taken place with uh, the family-owned business stepping up and saying, we want to help the air quality. So uh, can you tell us about that thought process on being a, a, a socially responsible uh, coal plant? Absolutely. Would. I'm really, uh, really appreciate that question, Stu, and you bringing that to the forefront, because that's really what we're looking at this as. Um, do we hope to recover our investment into all this? You know, absolutely we do. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we're doing this um, because we see the opportunity to help the community. Uh, Usabelli Coal Mine and the family that owns the coal mine has always taken a lot of pride in how much we like to give back to the community. Um, we're 
some of the largest benefactors of the, the state university system. Um, we also donate to 100 different um, nonprofits in the state. Uh, and so we, we try to go as wide as we can. Um, for being a family-owned corporation, um, we're, we're still fairly small in the grand scheme of things here in Alaska when we're you know, put up side by side with those of like Exxon and BP and ConocoPhillips who are also here in the state also handing out big checks. But, you know, we take a lot of pride in giving back as much as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, for the last probably over 10 years, uh, the city of Fairbanks has been dealing with this air quality issue. And, um, and it's not as a, re a result of or um, not because of the uh, the power plants that we're having this air quality issues because of the home heating and everyone's known that the state of Alaska knows that the EPA knows that and so uh, when we came up with this idea a couple of years ago to um, uh, to get into this it was okay why do we want to do it and the main reason why is because we see the opportunity to really help change things in Fairbanks for for the good um, you know, there's some synergies that exist between the firewood kiln operation being on our district heat system um, that the power plant supplies, absolutely. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense from that regard, but uh, um, we really wanted to be the leaders uh, in business here in the local community really trying to make a change. And there's, to be honest with you, Stu, there's not that many um, different organizations um, that are really stepping up to, to do something about it because it's a very difficult problem to solve, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, this, the, the problem that we're trying to solve is a difficult one, but uh, that, that, that the community is trying to solve, I should say. And so, you know, we take a lot of pride in the fact that we are you know, being some of the first into this area to really help try to solve this, to help the area get into attainment, um, to help the, the the, uh, the air quality issue and um, help the, you know, the EPA and the state figure out ways to, um, uh, to, to you know, get, get us back to what they call attainment status and uh, make the air healthier for everyone to breathe. Um, excellent, uh, Rob, on that. And what I, uh, you just hit on a cornerstone. You guys are, uh, we noticed it down here in uh, Denver and Dallas that it was such a unique uh, position that you guys uh, are in. Uh, how, how can, are you planning on taking this statewide and taking this leadership in an energy role? You know, we, uh, in a way we already are um, from the, the way that we were tied into the, the electrical grid with our coal fire um, power plants. Um, we already are what we call the considered very essential to the uh, to what we call the, the rail belt um, energy grid, um, the, the electrical line that extends from Homer all the way up to Fairbanks. Um, so we already are fairly um, involved and uh, essential to to the statewide operations. But as far as the biomass, um, you know, we uh, currently do through the acquisition of superior pellet fuels, we currently are involved in, um, uh, we currently do sell pellets and compressed logs in the Anchorage area um, already through the uh, box store. But uh, down the road, yeah, we are definitely looking at other expansion opportunities. I mean, it's, 
you know, the, the whole idea of this is that we get into this and we have the ability to, to scale the business. Uh, there are other communities, uh, specifically one just outside of Anchorage, which is just now starting down this road of um, the, uh, the non-attainment status that Fairbanks has been in for 12 to 15 years now. And so hmm. uh, this community is just now starting down that road uh, and you know so they're about 10 to 12 years behind I could see you know 10 to 12 years from now where we're trying to be involved there to try to say hey if people want to burn firewood to help keep their homes um, let us be a part of the solution to help you out as well you know or maybe mm -hmm. we can get do other biomass products yeah, I think that's, I, mean, I think what you guys are doing specifically in the Alaska area are, is really cool. And, you know, Stu hit it on a little bit, but I think this is the one thing that I first, you know, obviously when you read this, you know, the, the ability to convert the already existing infrastructure to create and immediately turn and help the air quality is incredible. Is there, is there viability in other markets for this outside of Alaska? Is this is something that you guys are looking to maybe roll out elsewhere? Or is this specific to sort of replacing any existing wood burning stuff? You know, I'm a... Uh... Myself and others within our organization were big picture thinkers, you know, so yeah, I would say uh, a few years down the road, we have big plans, um, but, you know, nothing firm right now. The nice thing about Alaska is the fact that we are, uh, we have such a great geographical location to the rest of the world, um, and specifically the part of the world that consumes so much natural resources, that being um, the Asia market. Uh, for the longest time, we were exporting coal overseas to Korea, Japan, a little bit into China, and also down to Chile. Uh, that was part of my uh, job for a number of years with Yusa Valley Coal Mine, was the, the manager of that, of that business line. And uh, one of the things that always gives us a competitive advantage is where we're located on the globe. We're eight or nine day sail away from the Japanese and Korean markets versus uh, Washington State or British uh, mm -hmm. Columbia, there are 12 days. And so as shipping prices fluctuate, uh, we become very advantageous to pull product from. And uh, we've got a lot of natural resources here in Alaska, a lot. And, uh, you know, we're one of the richest uh, um, uh, territories on the face of the planet. If you look at Alaska as our, our own territories compared to, um, you know, anywhere else in the United States or even the rest of the world for that matter. So if we're our own country, I think we would be like the fifth richest in the world when it comes to natural resources. And so, um, so to get back to your question there, Michael, um, absolutely. I think that there's opportunity down the road for uh, exporting of uh, biomass products, whether it be pellets, wood chips, some type of um, derivative of that. Uh, the, uh, there was uh there was a small history of that taking place in the Anchorage area um, about seven, eight years ago. There was some uh, exporting taking place of wood chips. Um, uh, Southeast Alaska has got a long history of exporting timber from it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the wood products uh, that we're in the business of uh, manufacturing and harvesting now, I think uh, the world wants and, and uh, you know, I think we have the ability to get it to market. We have the history. We know how to, to play in the international realm. And so it makes a lot of sense for us to look at that a couple of years down the road. Hey, 
Thanks, Rob. Hey, uh, Chad, as we're sitting here, you and I were talking with Michael uh, uh, just a little bit ago, and that is, can you explain a little bit about the air quality difference? Because uh, not everybody understands why it's so important on the home uh, and what the air quality difference actually means. You were throwing some numbers around out there, and I think I just <laughs> want to make sure I understood those numbers. Yeah, the, uh, the air quality issues in our community were considered during the winter inversion periods. Uh, the community of the Fairbanks North Pole area uh, has a serious non-attainment designation for one um, particular, uh, uh, well, it's particulate matter, 2.5 micrograms per meter cube standard. Basically, it's, it's the ultra-fine uh, emissions particles that uh, your body isn't designed to filter out. Now, the, the national standard back in 2006 went from, uh, went from a, a set standard that the community of Fairbanks met to a lower standard, uh, 35, uh, gram, or 35 micrograms per meter cubed um, for the whole analysis. And this, uh, th this change really brought on uh, uh, immediate concern for the community because we were running into issues with uh, being very close to that threshold right at that point in 2006. Immediately after that, 2007, 2008, as you well know, the fuel prices drastically increased. We got up into the $4 a gallon, $4.50 a gallon uh, for fuel oil, for heating fuel, uh, which is the primary heat source for our community. When that price escalated, people went out and immediately invested into low quality uh, wood heating devices that could immediately put out a tremendous amount of heat load, but they were going to consume an, a tremendous amount of wood fuel. By doing so, it immediately just overtook the industry and people were then immediately putting high moisture content wood into these uh, high emitting devices. And overnight, you know, in one year, we saw our emission standard for the community triple. And all of a sudden now we're not in compliance with the EPA from a community perspective. And everybody started looking at what are ways that we can go to to address this immediately the pellet industry was looked at as the saving grace for our community. One thing has led to another, and now, um, for whatever reason, our local regulations have, have adjusted it, and now pellets are lumped in with, uh, with all other solid fuels, and, and uh, regardless of the emission standard, uh, the regulation has now said any solid fuel is bad and we're not gonna allow it. And it's, it's really frustrating because people took the effort to invest in the cleanest burning technology, whether it be a pellet stove or whether it be a uh, EPA certified low emission catalytic wood stove. They've invested into the best available technology for solid fuel home heating. And now the regulators are saying, no, well, too bad. You know, we, we forced you to do this. We forced you to make the changes. And now we want you to eliminate this completely from the community. Oh, and by the way, you know, the, the 
the local government is also the owner of our uh, only available natural gas distribution. So the only thing that could potentially come we go. <laughs> no, sorry, continue. I just now it all yeah. makes sense. We're yeah. just like, oh come on. You know, I'm so sorry. we're we're running into all sorts of issues up here from a regulatory perspective. What is driving the regulations as is? You know, let's let's read between the lines here. No one's coming out and saying it, but but there's a lot of driving force behind it from a political perspective. You know, so we're doing everything that we can to improve the quality of the fuel source, to ensure and, and assist our community in moving forward with investing in clean burning technology. Um, and, and other people in the community are as well, but uh, there are challenges with us getting to those steps. This kiln is a great way for us to ensure quality fuel available in the community. We're awfully excited about that opportunity. Um, so if you don't mind, I would like to just uh, add something in um, to kind of uh, bridge the gap between what Chad said and what I said earlier. Um, back in 2018, um, the EPA and the state of Alaska air quality folks were coming around to the different point sources, um, the power plants and saying, listen, we're faced with this problem. We're trying to figure out a way to help the area get into compliance. Uh, we realize that uh, you guys aren't part of the problem, but we're gonna have to force you guys to put on all these very expensive um, emission control devices. Um, even though we can, you know, we can show, they can show that they're not economically um, uh, doable, but um, because of the way the, the EPA's uh, Clean Air Act is written, they, they can require us to do that, um, or they will have to require us to do that. So they came around and, and were asking us at that time, saying, uh, what other creative ideas do you guys have that you could potentially put forth so that way we can help the area get into attainment? And this is why we got to where we were at. It's like, well, what's really the problem? And uh, well, okay, it's, it's firewood is um, you know, a large majority of this. And then really started stumbling upon that to say, okay, well, man, instead of spending you know, 25, $30 million on, on control technology on just our power plant alone, not to mention the long-term costs, which are just unsustainable. Uh, it's like, man, we could spend a fraction of that and be able to you know, help, help with uh, Th th this problem and so that's really how we got to you know try to bridge the gap between where the, you know the last 10 12 years on the problem and where we're at now um, but since then the EPA and the DEC have uh, decided that uh, they're not going to allow for what they would call emission credits or emission offsetting um, and so um, you know originally we were hoping that we would be able to you know, uh, use some of the, the emission offsets from this um, this operation um, towards um, the power plant, you know, to help us. But um, that's not going to happen. Regardless, we still have a way forward here where we believe we're not going to have to put in these really expensive environmental controls on the power plant. Um, you know, however, you know, we, we believe that bottom line, if we can help the area get into attainment, 
it doesn't matter. All this stuff goes away and we don't have to worry about any of it. So that's really our goal is that we're going to do everything we can as a company just to help the area get into attainment. And that way we don't have to worry about it. The other um, point sources, which are um, four other coal-fired uh, power plants that we, uh, we supply coal to, don't have to worry about the same regulations um, anymore. So uh, it, that's why we're taking such a broad brush stroke at this whole thing and say, let's just do what we can to help the area get into attainment. You know, guys, um, I have to applaud uh, the corporation and you, Rob, and uh, you, Chad, from the standpoint that uh, corporate social responsibility and ESG in the fossil fuel area right now is critical. And you guys have a corporate culture of ESG. And that word needs to get out. And unfortunately, the oil and gas space has done a very, very poor job of telling people, hey, we're doing good things. And it's frustrating to see that you guys are doing good things and uh, you're having to deal with some of the politics. Uh, I noticed that you're also got the Made in Alaska uh, sign on your bags. Um, does that give you any, because I know Made in Alaska is a big deal. And uh, it should give you something with the EPA, right? That, that's a oh, maybe I'll, not I'll, with the EPA. Yeah, I'll let Chad answer that one. <laughs> yeah, no. I wouldn't say it gives us anything with the EPA, but what it does do is, uh, uh, you know, Alaskans support Alaska. And we do as a state, uh, you know, I, I've lived in a number of different states uh, over the years and Alaskans really do support the people and the businesses that are locally made. Um, the Usabelli family name is, uh, uh, is such an incredible uh, you know, outreach effort for the community. It immediately opens doors just because of the relationship that we have with that family and the way that uh, they have invested routinely into our communities and into our state. It's, uh, it, it really makes our job a lot easier to market these products and promote these products. Uh, it, it's not making it a simple job by any means, but uh, there are plenty of challenges associated with it. We're still uh, absolutely growing our products, but the Made in Alaska logo absolutely brings uh, you know, puts our product at least at the front of the line when it comes to the available uh, uh, products in our community. Well, again, guys, uh, Michael and I would like to just say thank you for mm -hmm. uh, stopping by and we really truly appreciate you guys and the uh, Usabella family. I mean, they are doing uh, things right and you guys are doing ESG and corporate social responsibility right too. So thanks for stopping by guys. Well, Stu and Michael, yeah, I really thank you guys for the opportunity for us to tell our good news story in front of your listeners and um, on your platform because, yeah, we're really proud of what we're doing. Uh, we feel like this is just the beginning. We got a lot of great things to come and maybe with any uh, luck here in another year or two, we'll be able to get back on here and tell you all the great things we have done between now and then. So, uh, yeah, we really appreciate the opportunity and thanks, Stu, for reaching out and it's Great to see fans of Alaska, such as yourself, reaching out and and, uh, and showing your support for us. So appreciate the opportunity.
as I said in the middle of that interview, guys, this was such a learning lesson for me. And I loved the opportunity to get with chat with these guys. And we really appreciate Rob and chat. And we hopefully will have them on again to talk about how all of this stuff is going. And in case we get some pellet fires uh, down here in the lower 48. Um, but guys, we really appreciate you checking out the Energy 360 podcast by Intercom. You can check out all of the recent episodes on Apple, iTunes, and YouTube, and also the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. Also subscribe, 360 Digital Closing Bell Podcast. We're live on YouTube every day at 2 o'clock to go over what happened in the equity and energy markets. You can also check out a long-form podcast that we uh, drop on Mondays and Fridays before the market opens. You can check all of that out, iTunes, Spotify, or the world's greatest website, Oil and Gas 360. Guys, until next time. We'll see you there.